Good morning. Good morning, morning. It's a beautiful spring day, doesn't it feel like? It's amazing out today. Well, if we haven't been introduced yet, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I want to welcome those here in the room, those joining us online, and those in the venue. So glad that you joined us today. Well, today we're going to be continuing our series, God and His Competitors. And it's been good, and here's what we're wanting to do, to ask a question, how has my view and my portrait of God been shaped? Has my prayer life been hindered? Or maybe perhaps I've just been having trouble worshiping God. So we've just been asking ourselves, what has been shaping our portrait of God? You know, I went to a conference about five years ago in Tennessee with other pastors from around the country. And there was a point in the conference where we broke off into groups of three, and we just spent some time praying together with just different areas in our lives. And at that specific time, I was having trouble forgiving someone. And, and I shared that with the group, and they prayed for me, and I can tell you how much that someone praying for you is so healing. But there was a conversation from another pastor that he brought up that still sticks with me today. And this is what he told us. He said, I am having trouble in my relationship with God at this moment. He confessed that to us. And he talked about his relationship with his father. Now, I'm having trouble remembering his name at the moment, but for the sake of the story today, I'll just call him Ryan. And this is what Ryan shared about his relationship with his father. That whenever he and his brothers would do anything wrong, and he grew up in a pastor's home, he was a pastor's kid, whenever they did anything wrong, whether it was something big or maybe even something of the smallest infraction, he talked about how his dad would react with anger and with yelling. Talked about how much he was disappointed in them and how embarrassed he was of them. And then to even drive the point a little bit further, he would talk about how at times his dad would just ignore them for days, just to really drive the nail home of how, he, how much he disapproved of them. And here was a man in his late 30s, a church planter, talking about the pain of his relationship with his father and how he was still dealing with that today and how that affected his view of God and his ability to draw near to him. Now I ask this, have you ever felt that way about God in your life? That maybe perhaps you've just done too much wrong and he doesn't want anything to do with you. That he is angry with you. That he disapproves of you. And then maybe you've even gotten to the point that he doesn't want you anymore or has abandoned you. You know, there is some strong evidence that our relationship with our earthly fathers can view how we view God our Father. So for someone who had an authoritarian father who demanded complete submission, complete obedience, never considering your feelings at all, and really the only time that he would draw near to you was to express how much he was disappointed in you or how short you were falling of his standard. For someone who grew up in, with that type of father figure, they may look at God as one who is angry with you. And really, the only time he draws near 
is to find fault in you. Or maybe someone who grew up with a distant or passive father figure who showed little to no emotion or wasn't involved or wasn't interested in the things that you were interested in. What may take place from that is you may view God as uninvolved, as inaccessible. And there's no perfect dads in this room, but maybe we had grew up with a dad who did most everything right. But still at the same time, we can be subtly influenced by deism. What deism is, is that we know that God is powerful, we know that he is creator, but that he is just simply withdrawn from creation. So maybe you've been praying a prayer for a long time and you've let it simmered, but perhaps God hasn't answered it in the way that you expected or maybe he hasn't answered it at all yet to this point. So in the same way, you view God as inaccessible, as uninvolved, or perhaps he just doesn't care. So whatever your view of God, whatever influences have come into viewing your shape of God, we want to ask this question in this series, how has my portrait of God been shaped? So when we talk about God and his competitors, his competitors are those false views of God that are not true, but subtly creep into our lives and influence our thinking about him. So today's weak competitor that we're gonna talk about, that God is a distant, demanding father to whom we have little to no hope of drawing near. So I ask this, has this been your portrait of God? Has this been your portrait of God? You know, there's, there's a quote that Pastor Jordan shared with me. He mentioned a book uh, last week, The Good and Beautiful God from author James Bryan Smith. And as we think about all the influences that pour into our lives that shape our view as God as Father, there is a quote from this book that I thought would be helpful for us today. It's this, the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed before the world was created. The relationship between Jesus and God has been defined by Jesus as that of Father and Son. God as Father and Jesus as Son existed before any father, son, or daughter existed. Therefore, fatherhood is first defined by God and Jesus, not by Adam and his children. Our world is broken, isn't it? You only have to get to Genesis 3 to see that. And if you read Genesis 3, you see the breakdown in relationships right away between father and son, father and daughter. And one thing we do have to acknowledge is that there is much pain and brokenness and fractured relationships. But this is what we want to accomplish in this series, that we want our portraits of God to be reformed, to look like Jesus. And what Jesus teaches us about God as our Father. And to do that, we need to look at his words today. So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 15. Otherwise, you'll be able to see these verses up on the screen. Beginning in verse 1, 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. What do you think the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, what their view of God was? I think perhaps it's this. Maybe they did think of God as a distant father and maybe that that was good. Because why would he draw to those who are not worthy? Why would he draw to those who are sinners? And this is how Jesus responded. He told them a parable. Now parables, Jesus uses very often in his teachings and oftentimes we read them and we might be a little bit confused. But this is what Jesus was doing when he told a parable. He was explaining what he was doing as he came down from heaven to earth. He was explaining as he was setting up the kingdom what God is truly like and what he is doing. And he tells them this parable about a father and his two sons. Now there are times where Jesus would say at the end of a parable, particularly at one that was hard to understand, he would tell the people who were listening to him, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we hear that and we're like, yeah, I have ears. But when he says this, what what he's telling is, dwell on these words that I have told you. Dwell on these words. So as we continue in this parable today, this is what I ask of you. Will you lean in with me? Will you lean in with me? As Jesus teaches us, about God, what God is truly like. Verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. You know, we're not, we're not told much about the relationship between the father and the sons at the very beginning of the parable. But what we do know is this, is that when the son, the younger son went to the father and he demanded his share of the estate, what he might as well have said was, I wish you were dead. What I have coming to me when you are gone, I want it now so that I can spend it as I wish. Step into the story for a moment. Imagine the fracture in the relationship between the father and the son at this moment as the son makes this demand. That he thought he could go and he could find life apart from his father, that he could find true life out on his own. You see, this is me. This is us. When we think that we can find life apart from God the Father, when we think that we can set our own standard, when we sin. So the Son makes this demand of the Father. And what do you notice in the story that Jesus tells us is the Father doesn't argue with the Son, He grants Him His request. Continuing on. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, 
set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one gave him anything. Did the son find freedom in life apart from his father? See, the son was already, he was near to the father already, yet he gathered all that he had, and he chose to set off on his own path to enjoy his newfound freedom. But how long, how long did it take for his freedom to run dry and to come back empty with all the promises that it made? You see, this is what sin promises us. It promises us freedom. It promises us that we are going to find true life on our own, that we'll be able to go our own way, that we can set our own standard. But at some point, whether sooner or later, we will hit a famine. Sooner or later, we are going to come to the end of ourselves, much like the younger son. And he came to a point where he felt like he had no one else to turn to. Are you in the distant country now? Are you in the distant country now? And have you come to the end of yourself? Where do you turn to? I tell you what, this isn't the end of the story. (laughs) This isn't the end of the story. Jesus continues. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. All right, so after coming to the end of himself, he does come to his senses. He realizes this is no life. I am not finding life here. And he changes his mind about his circumstances. And even changes his mind about his father. He remembers the goodness of his father. And that brought him hope that maybe if he would return, perhaps his father would forgive him. All right, how many of us get stuck here? I will set off and go back to my father, to where we simply think about it, and we get stuck here. And I tell you, I know this feeling as well. When I have a feeling of getting stuck, and I just remain there, doesn't the feeling of remorse and regret just increase? Jesus has good news for us. If you're feeling stuck, this is what he says the son does. Verse 20, so he got up. See, this is the act of repentance. It's more than just admitting wrongdoing. It's more than just admitting that I have sinned. It is the act of turning 
It's turning from your sin and going back. And the son, he got up and went to his father. What do you think happens next? All right, this may be a point in the story where our relationship with our fathers growing up, or maybe we had a father figure in our life where this may seem different to us, where we might have different thoughts here at this point in the story. Like I think about uh, my friend Ryan that I shared at the beginning, where he would go to his father, they would apologize to him, but they were just met with anger. They were just met with disappointment. So if we had a distant or demanding father, this is a point in the story where we think about returning, but we may think to ourselves, what's the point? I'm just going to be met with anger and frustration and disappointment. Remember, though, we're hearing Jesus' words today. He who has ears to hear let him hear. Continue to lean in with me as we hear his words. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with. What do you fill the blank in with here? What do you naturally fill in? Was the father filled with anger? Was the father filled with disappointment? Resentment? No, this is what Jesus says. The Father was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. Old men in ancient days did not run. But this is the extravagant love that Jesus is talking about. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. All right, so he's speaking his rehearsed lines. He's speaking, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I have sinned against you. But before he can get to the point where he says, I should be a servant in your household, what do you notice? The father cuts him off. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I don't think the son expected much from his father when he returned. I'm sure he expected to be met with disappointment of how much he let his father down. But Jesus, what he's trying to tell us, he's giving us a true portrait of God the Father. So think back to the weak competitor that maybe has shaped our minds that God is a distant father to whom we have little to hope, no hope of drawing near. But this is what Jesus is teaching us, even as he told it back in that day and as we hear it today. We have a great God. And God is a loving Father who draws near to us with generous compassion and affection.
God is a loving Father who draws near to us with generous compassion and affection. Jesus tells us what God, your Father in heaven, is truly like. So if you've rebelled, if you've gone your own way, and friends, there's not a person in this room that that is not true of. There's hope, and it's not too late. And in fact, the Father is watching and waiting for you to return. You know, there, there, there's a, a painting from Rembrandt, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Pastor Adrian has shown this uh, on a Sunday morning, and he has it hanging in his office. And to me, this really depicts the scene here that Jesus is talking about. You'll notice the son who has made a mess of his life, and his clothes are torn and tattered. And you notice the sandal is worn off his feet. But what do you see about the father? You see his arms drawing the son near and showing him great compassion and affection. That's not the only thing I notice in the portrait, though. I also notice the people standing around. Do you see the expression in their faces? I see disappointment. Maybe a little bit of resentment, but the one that I notice, and it's kind of hard to see, but you see in the top center is the older brother. Jesus isn't finished with this parable yet. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out. The father goes out to him, notice this, and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father goes near to the sin-soaked son who has made a mess of his life. And he also goes near to the son who has done everything right but is full of bitterness, record-keeping in comparison. 
Right? But in both cases, both cases, Jesus reveals a God who draws near. He's teaching this to the Pharisees. He's teaching this to the teachers of the law. And perhaps there's a question for us that we need to think about. Is this your view of God? And maybe perhaps are we giving off this view of God to others? That we want him to be a distant and demanding father. Both cases, the father draws near. Now, you might ask yourself, all right, am I the younger brother or am I the older brother? And I think the truth is that we're a mixed bag. I know there's been times in my life where I have been the older brother. And Lord, forgive me for the times that I have been. Well, there's been times in my life when I've been the younger brother, when I have been the prodigal, I think of a time back when I was in high school when I made a huge mistake. All right, so I, I was a pastor. I, I am a pastor's kid. You're always a pastor's kid when you're a pastor's kid. Um, but I was a pastor's kid. And I know that there's a reputation that uh, the pastor's kids are the ones that are the most wild. That was my brother. Just, sorry, just kidding, Mari. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, there was a time when I messed up really badly. But here's what I feared. And this is weight that I carried often. Not that I would let my parents down, but if I did anything wrong and the people in the church found out about it, I worried about how they would view my dad. And I carried that weight with me. So when I was uh, in the summer leading into my senior year, there was a time and a couple times when I chose to smoke weed with some of my friends. Now some of you might be thinking, no way, mild-mannered Matt, but if you saw my scraggly long hair back at that time, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> but I thought I'd gotten away with it. So by the end of that summer, I was uh, training with my team for cross country. We would get up early in the morning and I was training. And there was one morning in particular where a friend of mine shared, hey, like, uh, I don't want to share his name, but your friend's mom knows what happened. He told her and they went to my church. Now, I don't know if my dad knew right at that point, but boy, did I worry. <laughs> So I went home that day, worried about how my dad was gonna react. I was worried he was gonna react in anger and yelling. So I got home and I slipped down to my room thinking like, oh, maybe I'm just gonna go to sleep and maybe this can go away. But about five minutes later, I hear the call. Hey, Matt, could you come up? Your mom and I have something to talk to you about. We all know that call, don't we? <laughs> We all know that call. All right, so this was my attitude as I was going up. Again, here is my worst fear coming true. Not that I had just let down my dad, but others knew and that they thought less of him and maybe less of me. So I went up to the living room that day thinking the worst. And I tell you what, this is one of the best moments in my life that could happen. 
because my dad showed me in that moment a true portrait of God the Father. It could have been the worst moment of my life. It could have caused me to dog deeper into shame, but my dad showed me a true portrait. When I got up there, he hugged me, and he brought me near. In a moment when I was so vulnerable, and he showed me compassion. He asked the reason why I decided to make that choice. And he talked me through it. And in a moment where I could have experienced his anger and disappointment, he showed me compassion. Now, yes, there were consequences, and I deserve them. Can you bring up that portrait again on the screen? Here's what I experienced, though. You know how I talked about how I feared what other people thought of me? I never thought about it again after that moment. And here's why. Because my father was near to me. In that moment, he shielded me. And this is what Jesus is teaching us that when we come to him in repentance, though yes, may others may look down on us, what matters is that the Father shows great compassion and love to you. And he draws near to you with compassion and great affection. Now I ask this again, are you in the distant country today? The invitation of God our Father is for you today. So what has been shaping your view of God? Have all the different influences seeped into your life? And have you viewed God as a distant and demanding Father? May we hear Jesus' words today that the invitation is for you to repent and to turn to your Father. He's waiting with open arms for you today. Would you pray with me? So Jesus, we are, we are thankful for your words because the reality is, God, and you know this, but we live in a, a broken world with fractured relationships. And we may be dealing with the pain of our earthly fathers and our earthly relationships even here in this moment. And Lord, you know it. You know it. But Jesus, we ask your words to penetrate our hearts that when it comes to God, our Father, that we would see what you have taught us today. That you're compassionate, that you're loving, that you're faithful, and that you long for us, you're watching and waiting for us to return. So Lord, I pray for my friends in this room, my friends watching online, my friends watching in the venue. 
that if that is them today, that they would take that step. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us. Even in our shortcomings, you pick us up, you draw us near, and you give us the strength to go forward and to live for you. God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for this true portrait of God our Father. Love you and pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen.